to invite all of you here this morning to turn with us to Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, we also want to invite those that uh, may appear online to also follow along. It's always good to see uh, those that uh, watch online. We're glad that uh, you can tune in on Sunday mornings and also uh, throughout the week. We're, we're happy to be able to have the privilege to put these on a publicly uh, accessible site so that you can go and watch them at any time. And we're thankful for your loving uh, support and your kind words of encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3. The writer of Hebrews is exhorting the uh, Hebrews, the children of Israel here, the people that live uh, in the that part of the world. Uh, he has definitely a heart for the people and the things that they have been through and now that they, the gospel has been preached unto them, he is beseeching them uh, to not, uh, to, to listen to the word of the Lord. So we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter uh, 3 and in verse 7. He says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, he reminds us that this is not the preacher that is saying this, uh, this is not some exhorter that is saying this, but he says, as the Holy Ghost saith, this is God. God is beseeching you. God is speaking directly to you when he says this. He says, today, if, and this is a conditional promise, if you will hear his voice today, right now, look at the urgency of this plea, of this exhortation by God the Father through the mouth and, and the instrument of His Holy Spirit. He says today, not tomorrow. God does not like procrastinators, right? Uh, God, God wants you to be urgent and, and diligent in that which He has called you to. Do not put off tomorrow what you can do today. Now, I'm a bad procrastinator. My wife will tell you that I will wait Till the last moment. I mean the absolute last moment. The, I, I wait till she's about ready to blow her top before I will take the trash out, right? Uh, will you take the trash out? Yeah, I'll get it in a moment. Will you take it out now? I'll get it before I go to bed. She comes back in there at 2 o'clock in the morning. Why is the trash not out at? I guess I better get up and get that, hadn't I? Right? That's me. I'm a procrastinator. But when it comes to our spirituality, when it comes to what God expects us to do, we are not to be procrastinators. Because you know what happens to procrastinators, and I, I run into this all the time. When I put off something, I, it is harder for me to get done, and oftentimes there's consequences that come with that. I've been working on the bathroom for six years. You know why I've been working on the bathroom for six years? Because I'm a procrastinator. And you know what happens every time I get restarted on it? I either have to go buy a part that I've already bought because I've lost the part, or I have to spend three hours looking for the part that I know that I bought that is somewhere in my house that got misplaced. When it wouldn't have got misplaced if I would have finished the job, when I was working on the job. Amen. Somebody amen this morning. That's right. It would happen. And, 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 and so there's consequences to not being urgent, to not doing what we're supposed to do when we're called to do it. 
And so the Holy Ghost says today, right now, don't procrastinate, don't put off, but today, if you will hear his voice, I will hear his voice. When you come to church, when you pick up your Bibles, when you are driving down the road, and maybe you're listening to the, the Word of God on, on through the radio, maybe you're listening through a sermon on the radio, whatever the case may be, wherever the Word of God is being presented before you, when it is being spoken in your hearing, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can hear the Word of God or you can not hear the Word of God. You can reject the Word of God. There are many people that hear the Word of God and what we mean by that is they hear the sound vibrations going into their ear and they understand what those sound vibrations mean. They audibly hear the Word of God, but they do not hear the Word of God. You know what I'm saying this morning? They hear the words, they understand the words, but they have no intention of following the words, right? Or they disagree with the words. There are some people that when the word of God is preached, they, they hear the word, they, they say, you know what? I just don't like what, what was said. I don't agree with that. I don't, I, I don't believe that. And that is what we call rejection. And, and this is nothing new. When Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees understood Jesus. They, they audibly heard the words that Jesus gave. But Jesus would say that they, uh, you cannot understand my speech. Why? Because you're not of my sheep. They were not of his chosen fold and therefore they rejected everything that, that Jesus presented before them. The Pharisees heard the word, but they did not hear the word, right? They had decided within themselves that they were not going to follow what Jesus was saying. Or they outright rejected what Jesus had said. I have stood before many people. And I have presented the gospel. Because that's all I'm, I'm... Hey, listen. It is not my job to make you absorb the word of God. It's not my job to do that. That's your job. <laughs> it's my job to present the word of God. And, and, and I'm the sower in, in the parable of the sower, right? And the sower's throwing the, throwing the seed out there. And some of that seed falls on hard ground, and they, they're the ones that just outright reject it. The devils come, and they snatch it away. And some of the seed falls on the stony ground, and some on the thorny ground, and, and some on good ground. Now, the sower does not determine the condition of the soil, Right? That's not the way, that's not, in that parable, because we know that, that, that parables are, are, are stories that are meant to pre present a truth, but all the details are not going to be exactly accurate. 
But in that, that story, all that's given is a sower went out to sow. Right? And the, the conditions of the soil were there present when he got there. Okay? And so the sower sows, and the condition of the soil is their responsibility. And I, I have, I have, it is my job to remain faithful, to pre preach the word of God faithfully. That's my, that, that is my charge. Study to shew yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, and to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke with all authority and long-sufferingness. That is my charge. Whether you absorb it, whether you put it into your life, whether you use what God is, put, is speaking through me, that's your business, not mine. Okay? I had a dear sister one time tell me, I got done preaching on a subject. I preached it. I mean, I preached it. I, I gave point after point after point. And when I got done, I knew the Lord had blessed it. I knew without a shadow of a doubt God had blessed me to give that sermon. Because he had, he had allowed me to preach the truth with clarity and precision. And afterwards, I'm going through the, uh, we're going through the handshake. Uh, the, the church members are coming around and shaking my hand. And some of them are telling me that they appreciated the message I've given. And this one old lady that I knew was, uh, didn't believe the same that I believe. She comes through the line and she shook my hand and she said, Brother John, she said, what you presented today I cannot disagree with. She said, you, you have laid it out, and I cannot find anything wrong with what you've said. That seems to be what the Bible says, but you will never get me to do that. What that was was, a, uh, was an outright rejection of the Word of God. She knew that, that the Word of God had present, been presented. She could not... Uh, disagree with any point that was made she just didn't like it and, and it disagreed with something in her light and she refused to be wrong or to change right and so she she rejected the word of God totally so the, the Holy Ghost says today if you will hear his voice if you will choose to absorb the word of God if you will choose to follow the word of God. And then he says, listen to this. Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation. In the days of the temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me. And saw my works. Forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation. And said they do always err in their heart. And they shall not, and they, and they have not known my ways. Now, they saw the works of God. They knew the way of God, but God says they have not known my way. They saw the plagues of Egypt. They saw the death of the firstborn. They saw uh, the waters of Mara turned into, into sweet. They saw water from the rock. They saw manna come down from heaven. They saw uh, the fiery uh, things at Mount Sinai. They saw these things. But God says they've not known my ways. In other words, they saw them. But what they saw had no effect on the inside. And that was a personal choice. You understand that? And so he says, 
So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The writer says you need to be aware. Be aware that this is a possibility. You need to have great caution in your life lest there be in any of you an evil heart. You get that? When, when you choose to reject the word of God, to go your own way, and, and to, to follow your own thing, you are demonstrating an evil heart. This is not a good heart. This is an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. When you choose to reject the word of God, when you have no rhyme or reason to, you know, I had someone recently uh, reject a sermon that I preached and they made sure to tell me about it. They did not care for what I preached and they gave no biblical backing as to why they disagreed with it. It was just, well, I didn't like what you said. Right? I didn't like what you said, so I, I'm going to let you know that I didn't like what you said, but I, have, I can't show you from the Bible where, where what you said was wrong. I just didn't like what you said. Right? That was not that long ago. And, and what that was was an evil heart of unbelief. They didn't like what God said because all I'm doing is repeating what God has said. Every time I stand before you, I am repeating what God has said and making application in the world today, right? That's my job, is to make application. Now, if the application does not line up with Scripture, then you can reject the application. But if it does, then you have no right to reject the Word of God or its application. But listen to this. In departing from the living God, when you reject the Word of God, when you turn away from these things, you are, you're not turning away from the preacher, right? You're not getting mad at the preacher. The preacher is a representative of God. He is simply telling you what God has said. So when you depart from these things, uh, you're not hurting my feelings. Uh, God said, you remember what God said to Samuel. When they rejected Samuel of uh, being an overseer over them, God says, Hey, Samuel, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. <laughs> right? Uh, when, when, when they said, give us a king, uh, I want a king. We want to be like the other nations. Samuel was all upset because they uh, rejected him. God said, nah, ah, Samuel, you've done what you were supposed to do. They've not rejected you. They've rejected me. So anytime you feel like you're going to have roast preacher for lunch, you just remember that what you're doing is not assaulting the preacher as much as you are departing from the living God, right? Departing from the living God. But listen, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Did you get that? Exhort one another daily while it is called today. While the sun is still burning, you need to exhort. And that word exhort is parakleo. And it means to call near, invite, comfort, entreat, and pray for. 
This word encompasses a, a lot of action here. It means to call near. That means to bring somebody close to you, to walk with someone, to help them in their spiritual journey, to comfort them when they are overcome uh, with things that would bring them down, uh, to entreat them and pray over them. You see that? So it says that we are to call one another near and to exhort and to, uh, and to comfort one another daily while it is called today. And that word exhort also means to instruct. You're to instruct one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is tricky. Sin will deceive you. Sin will lie to you. And what dece deception is, is whenever, uh, whenever someone has gotten you to believe something that is not true. And this is what the devil does. The devil gets you to believe something and to embrace something that is not true. And by that, your heart becomes hardened. It becomes obstinate. What does an obstinate heart mean, look like? An obstinate heart, a rebellious, a hardened heart is someone that is repulsive to God's truth. In other words, you know, when, when, when your heart has been softened by grace, you come to the Lord's house and the word is preached. And that word, listen now, children, that word is going to have an impact in here. Okay, if you come to the Lord's house and, and the word of God is preached, the word of God is preached and there's no impact in here, you need, you've got a problem. You've got a bad problem. You, you are, your heart is becoming hard, right? Your heart is becoming uh, obstinate to the truth and that's in a bad place. That's when you're getting into a very uh, precarious situation. Because once your heart becomes hard, once it becomes obstinate, it doesn't matter what someone tells you. It doesn't matter what happens. You're going to reject it. You're going to reject God's people. You're going to reject God's church. You're going to reject God's messengers. You're going to reject it all. You're going to go out and you're going to live your life in sin and misery. Because misery always follows sin. You may enjoy it for a season. Right? The pleasures of sin for a season. There's pleasure in sin. All sin has pleasure to it. Right? For a season. For a little while. God will let you get away with it for a little while. But then, you got to pay the piper. you got to answer for your sin. And that may come through its... And listen... When God, when God, uh, oftentimes God just allows your sin to work its own consequences out. Listen, if you go out there and, and mess around with somebody that's not your spouse and you lose your family, as a result, God didn't do that to you. <laughs> you did that to you, being stupid, right? God doesn't have to do that. There are consequences to sin, And when you reject the Lord and reject His Word and your heart becomes hard and you reject God's people and God's messengers, listen, 
Trouble's right around the corner. Every time. Because this is what happened. He says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. That word partaker means a sharer of Christ or a partner with Christ. While it is said, today, there's the word today again. If ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the propagation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? What happened? God says, you go to my people, you tell them, hey, we're leaving Egypt, we're going to go to the promised land. God's promised to give us this big, beautiful land. It's a land overflowing with milk and honey. God's going to give it to us. He's going to drive out the people before us. Moses goes to, the, goes to Egypt. He delivers all the children of Israel out of Egypt. They come out richer than they were than they went in. Right? He delivers them through a strong and mighty hand. He is with them every step of the way. <laughs> right? Pillar of fire by night. Cloud, a tornado by, by day. God is driving them across the desert. Leading them. All the way across the desert. He heals the, the bitter waters of Mar. He does all these miraculous things. All the way there. They get to the promised land. They come back. And the good news is presented to them. The land's just like God said it was. It's a land overflowing with milk and honey. Look at all these grapes. Look at all this stuff. God has given to us. It's just like God said it was. But. There's giants in the land. And they have walled cities. And we are but grasshoppers in our sight. And they begin to say. Why did we even come out of Egypt? The gospel, the good news of the land was preached to them. It was just like God said it was. God said you could take it. Take it. But they refused to believe. They hardened their hearts. What did God do? He killed them. Every last one of them. All of them. Forty years they spent walking around in a circle. Listen, if you... Hey, if you decide to reject God's word, I guarantee you, you're going to spend, spend many, many days walking in circles. Right? You get nowhere in life. When you reject God's word, you're just going to walk in circles. That's what happens. And so, they did not enter in because of unbelief. They were deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, hard-heartedness... Is, is a dreaded disease in the spiritual realm. I call it spiritual heart disease. Right? It's the hardening of the arteries. And it will kill your spiritual life. Right? It'll make you have a heart attack. A spiritual heart attack to where you are laying there absolutely in pain and agony... And you need some help, right? 
Hardening of the arteries leads to a heart attack. So, in order to prevent spiritual heart disease, just like regular heart disease, you need to be on a good diet, right? You need to eat plenty of greens, right? I'm not a big fan of this, but, you know, if you really want to take care of yourself, you need to eat some sort of lettuce, right? I don't like lettuce. I've always hated lettuce. It's like eating crunchy, I don't know, it has no flavor. It's horrible. Anyway, but in order to prevent spiritual heart disease, there's some lettuce in the Bible. And I love this. Some lettuce that you need to be, be consuming, that you need to be looking after. Here's the lettuce. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let us. Get this? Let us. Here's your first piece of lettuce. Here's your first piece of lettuce that's going to prevent spiritual heart disease. Let us, therefore, fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into rest, any of you should come short of it. Let us, and, and I love how the writer here says, let us, not let you. Not this is what you should be doing. It's a group effort, right? That's why church is important. This is why you cannot live life in a spiritual way and be successful as a lone soldier. He says, let us. Together, as a church, as a body of believers, let us, therefore, fear. The very first let us is let us take God seriously. You know what? That's what, that's what the fear of the Lord is, is when you take God seriously. Right. When my children, they need to fear me. And I don't mean be afraid of me. Right. I mean fear me in the way that the Bible means fear. The Bible does. I don't want my children to be terrified of me. Right. I want my, my children to take me seriously. So that whenever I say, hey, you hit your brother again, I'm going to tear that tail up. They know I'm not playing. <laughs> they know that I mean business. They know that what I'm telling them they're doing is wrong, is wrong, and they're going to stop it. That's what it means to fear. God always means business, dear child of God. God is long-suffering. God is a God of mercy. And God will, will let things slide. But I want you to know that does not mean that He does not mean business. Right? Just because I tell my children three times does not mean I don't mean business, right? If I tell you, clean your room, you're going to get in trouble. Clean your room, you're going to get in trouble. Clean your room, you're going to get in trouble. I meant it the first time just as I did the third time, and I'm just being long-suffering. And that's good because parents need to be long-suffering. If you're too heavy-handed on a child, and I'm just, you, this, is, this is extra, okay? I'm not going to charge you for this bit. If you're too hard on a child, if you're too heavy-handed on a child, that child will rebel every time because they can't win. 
No, we need to be long-suffering. And just because I'm long-suffering does not mean I mean business. Therefore, he says, let us fear the Lord. Let's take him seriously. When God says something, it means God really meant that when he said that. When God tells us to do something, it's not, hey, I can do it tomorrow. I can do it. I can do it when I feel like, you know, whenever I get everything together in my life, that's when I can, I can do what he told me to do. No. When God says to do something, what are we to do? Today. Do it. Take God seriously. Fulfill his word. Now, verse 11 of the same chapter. Let us, here's your second piece of lettuce. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. You need to labor to enter into rest. Now, when the children of Israel went into the promised land, God had promised to drive them out. God had promised to give them the land, right? But there were some things they had to do, was there not? They had to labor in entering into the promised land. They had to do some things in order to have rest. After they drove everybody out, after they built up places of worship, then they could, huh, they could take a breather, right? But not until then. So, like us, if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, if we are going to to enter into rest, if we're going to enter into the peace with, with Christ, we got to labor. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And that means to weary oneself by overwork and being overburdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Right? His burden is light. That means that there's some work you got to do. But God takes care of all the hard labor. Let us labor to enter into rest. That means we are to strive after rest in Christ. That means not working ourselves to death, trying to be good enough for God, but simply laboring to trust Jesus. Trust in Jesus is hard work. Don't believe me? The disciples said unto Jesus, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus says, This is the work of God that you believe in God the Father and me whom he hath sent. This is what it means to work for God, to, to believe. It's work. It's work. So let us labor to enter into the rest. Chapter, verse 14. He says, Seeing then... That we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Here's your third one. Let us. Let us hold the fast our profession. Let us hold fast our profession. And that is, let us hold the beliefs firm in our hearts. When you become convinced of a particular doctrine or belief of truth about Christ... You need to hold it firm in your heart. Paul would say that ye be not henceforth children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. When you open yourself up 
to questioning those things that the Bible is explicitly clear on and you know to be true, you're on dangerous ground. No, you hold fast that which is good. He says, prove all things. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, prove all things. That means try them, put it to the test, put this theology to the test, and once you know it's to be true, hold fast that which is good. Once you've been convinced of something, never let it go. Here's your fourth one, down in verse 16. He says, let us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come boldly, let us uh, pursue and hold an active and engaging prayer life. You want to prevent your, 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 your heart from being hard? You want to come to the Lord's house and have the message affect your heart? Well, you're going to have to take God seriously. You're going to have to strive after rest in Christ. You're going to have to hold that which you already know to be true. You need to hold it fast, and you need to pursue an active prayer life. Someone used to tell me, You know, I'm just not getting anything out of the message anymore. Somebody told me this a long time ago. And I encourage you, if you ever get to the point in this church where you're not getting anything out of the message, I want to know about it. You're not going to hurt my feelings, okay? Because I want to sit down and I want to figure out why. If it's me, if it is me... I, I need to know, right? I don't want to go on and keep preaching messages that you're not getting anything out of. Maybe I've slacked off on my study and I need a slap on the hand, right? Maybe I've slacked off in my prayer life and I need a slap on the hand and God's not blessing me because I am not pursuing Him diligently. Maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe it's because God has called me somewhere else to go and He's not blessing me because I've refused to go. Right? It could be those things. Or it could be something in your life. So whichever way it is, I need to know about it. Lady said, I'm not getting anything in, in, out of your message. I said, well, on the way to church, do you pray for me? No. <laughs> do you pray for the week that I would be blessed to, to, to give you a message that would, that would just ignite your heart? No. Do you read your Bible during the week? No. Well, I hate to tell you, but you're the problem. The reason you're coming to church and you're not getting anything out of the Word of God is not, the, is not, is not my fault. Uh, by your own admission, it's your fault. <laughs> you're not praying about it. And you're not seeking God about it. You're not pursuing God during the week. Don't expect Him to show up in your life on Sunday morning. We are to pursue an active prayer life were to come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. We have our next let us. Listen dear child of God when you pursue 
a, a, when you are pursuing Christ, and that's what all this is about this morning, every one of these is a pursuit of Christ in some way. Let us fear you're pursuing Christ by taking Him seriously. Let us, uh, let us labor to enter into rest. You're laboring after Christ. Let us hold fast our belief. You're laboring after Christ. You're pursuing Christ by holding His beliefs special. Prayer. When you pray, God, give me a soft heart. Give me a heart that is receptive of thy will. You are praying against spiritual heart disease. Right? So in chapter 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast. Uh, verse 22, I'm sorry. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are to come before God. We are to draw near unto God. You remember what James said in James chapter 4 verse 8? Draw nigh unto God and He will draw near to you. People say, I just don't feel close to God anymore, Brother John. Well, how are you trying to draw near to Him? Are you drawing near unto Him or are you walking the opposite direction? Listen, if you are walking away from God, don't expect to stop somewhere and say, hey, where's God at? Well, that's easy. You left Him about 200 miles back the other way, okay? You say, well, why is God, why is my life falling apart? Don't ask dumb questions, <laughs> right? Don't ask dumb questions. Let us draw near unto God. If you're drawing near unto God, you're going to have God in your life. God's going to be there. You may not always feel Him there, but He's always going to be there. And He will give you assurance, and He will give you manifestations of Himself. Because that's what the kingdom of God is. It is a manifestation of God in your life. God will let you know He's there. Let us draw near with a true heart. That's not a hard heart. This is a, so a true heart is a soft heart changed, radically changed by the grace of God. Verse 23, let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. There he is, not to toss to and fro with every wind of God. For he is faithful that promised. God is faithful. You serve a faithful God. He's promised you many things, so therefore hold this profession of faith. And then he says in verse 24, here's, here's another, let us, let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works. What does it mean to consider? What does it mean to consider? It means to think about, right? If I'm considering you, if I'm being considered, if I, I am thinking about you, right? If I consider you, I am thinking about you, 
I want to see your best. I want to see you grow. I want to see you develop. Consider one another. Think on one another for their good. Consider one another and provoke one another. And that word provoke means to incite. We do that oftentimes in a negative way, right? They do in my house. I don't know about your house, but my house is full of provokement. <laughs> provoking one another. And they're not provoking one another in my house to love and good works. Okay? Oftentimes in my house, they're, they are provoking one another uh, unto black eyes and bloody noses. Uh, that's what they're provoking. Uh, I, I can't tell you. We were outside playing baseball yesterday, and I cannot tell you how many times. I had to break up a wrestling match in the middle of the front yard because they were fighting over the ball. Right? And they would just do things to get on each other's nerves. And why are you aggravating your brother? Why are you provoking him? Don't provoke him. Right? If you're going to provoke, provoke unto love and good works. That means you, are, you, you consider someone and you know that it is best for them to love and to pursue a life that would glorify God by their good works because Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How do men around you glorify your Father in heaven? They see your good works. That tells me that I am to live a life of good works. Well, I need my friends to provoke me, right? If you don't have somebody provoking you, and just think of this, poking you towards good works, towards love, you're going to be in a bad place before too long, right? I need my brothers and sisters in my life looking at my life, observing my life, showing me because I may not know where I'm going wrong, right? I need someone to come to me and say, Brother John, I noticed this, that you said this the other day. You may, maybe you didn't mean anything by it, but I just wanted you to be careful. You know what? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? We learned this as a memory verse a while back. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the, enemy, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. When you come and you wound my heart because you love me, you're going to make me a better person. Provoke unto love and good works. Listen to this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Where in the Bible does it say that I'm supposed to be in church on Sunday morning? Here's your answer. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And listen to this. Before you get mad at the preacher, I didn't say this. God did. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approaching. God says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. What does the word church mean? The word church, it comes from the word ekklesia. What does that mean? Called out assembly. 
If you're not assembling, you're not a part of the church. A church is made up of baptized believers. That's what the church is. Baptized believers who have come and professed faith. If you've not come and publicly professed faith in the Lord Jesus before the church, you've got nothing to hold on to. Right? Because you've not actually professed anything. He says, let us hold fast our profession. Where does that happen? Our profession happens when you come and profess faith publicly in the Lord Jesus, submit to water baptism. So the church is made up of baptized believers who have publicly professed faith in the Lord Jesus and are holding that profession fast with people of like-minded, of like minds. And when you've done that, when you have professed faith in Christ and publicly professed Him as your Lord and Savior and you submitted unto His Lordship by being baptized, you have committed yourself. You've committed yourself to the people that you bound yourself in. You ever heard of a covenant? A covenant is a legally binding promise. When you join the church, you sign the church covenant. And that is, a, that is what you are promising to do. And I've got news for you. It means that you are promising to be here on Sunday. You know, I, I, I oftentimes laugh at American Christianity. Because we have a hard time getting up and come to church on Sunday morning. When did the early church meet? When did they meet? Every day. Every single day. And you know what? They were there every single day. And then they had communion on Sunday. So they met every day and they had communion on Sunday. Listen, and you're telling me that we, we, we have a hard time getting to church on Sunday? That's a shame, ain't it? It really is. The Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. That basically means if you harden your heart, you reject God, you forsake the assembly, it's almost impossible for you to repent. I've seen it far too many times. People come in, they join the church, they profess faith in, in Christ, they get mad about something because they slacked off in their personal devotion personal life they get offended by something they get mad about something they leave the church the church pursues them they reject those efforts and then they're cast outside of the church and then once they're out of the church their lives just is like you can watch it slowly progress downward then he says so so the church is designed for us the church is designed for us to come together as a support group, 
to provoke, to love, to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to, to bring them near so that we are not hardened through the deceitfulness of sin and fall away from God our Father and bring shame to Him. Right? And that's important because we don't want to bring shame to Christ. Right? It's not my desire. Jesus saved me. I want to bring all the honor and glory I can to Him because I'm not going to hell at the end of the road. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Here's, here's another let us. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's two of them. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that, that holds us back back that means we are to mortify the deeds of the body if you know that you have something in your life that God does not approve of you're to kill that sin you're to lay it off today not tomorrow today lay it aside and then run with patience endurance listen you're in for a long haul you're in for the long haul. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. The devil's going to beat the snot out of you. The world's going to beat the snot out of you. And your flesh is going to constantly get you to do the wrong thing. Run with patience. Let us run with patience. Let us lay aside the sin and every weight that doth easily beset us. Let us run with patience. Verse 28. He says, wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. How can you serve God acceptably? You have to hold grace. Hold on to the grace that is in Christ. Let us hold grace. Chapter 13, verse 13. Let us go forth. Therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. What does that mean? It means we need to be willing to suffer for being different. You know, a lot, a lot of the times the reason we don't do the right thing or say the right thing is because we're scared of what other people may think about us. Let's be honest with it. We're scared that they'll think we're weird. We're one of those fanatics. Just follow the Lord and leave the consequences up to Him. That's what, that's what you're to do. Verse 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name but to do good and to communicate not forget not with such sacrifices God is well pleased let us offer the sacrifice of praise let us come to the Lord's house let us praise his name I've said it over and over again when we come together on Sunday morning 
And we sing these songs. I love to sing these songs. But the song service is not about you. It's not about how it makes you feel. I love it when I can feel good during the song service. But we sing these songs in order to praise God. It's God. That's why it says make a joyful noise, not some beautiful ornate noise. Now, I think we should try to sing better for the honor and glory of God, try to perfect our voices together. But God expects you to sing. Why? Because He saved you. And God saved you. And God's people should not be a sad and melancholy people. We should be a happy and rejoicing people. Because He saved us. Doesn't that make you happy to know that He saved you? It does me. I want to sing with all my heart and with all my voice. That's why I sing when I get up here. I get loud. You know why I sound loud? I'm singing with all that I've got every Sunday morning. I'm going to sing as loud as I can, as hard as I can. And I don't care if I squeak on the high notes. Because I'm not singing to you. I'm singing to Him. And I want to give it my all. I want to give it everything I've got because He's worthy, you see. And when you get to heaven, you know what you're going to be doing? Singing. So you might as well practice for it now. Say, well, I don't like to sing, Brother John. Well, you're, you're going to be doing a lot of it in heaven. You're <laughs> going to be doing a lot of it in heaven. Might as well get used to it. Sing to the Lord. So how do we prevent spiritual heart disease that leads to a spiritual heart attack, which puts us on the ground in misery and anguish? How do we prevent that? First off, don't procrastinate. Realize that it's a today thing. And we need to eat all our lettuce. We need to fear God, to take Him seriously, to, to fear the Lord. We need to strive after rest in Christ. We need to hold our beliefs firm to the end once we're convinced of them. We need to pursue an active and diligent prayer life. We need to draw near unto God because that's how He draws near unto us. We need to provoke our fellow believers to love and good works. We need to lay off the sin that does so easily beset us in our lives. It holds us captive. We need to crucify it. Put it to death. Put it out of our lives. If you know something's not God-honoring, don't do it. And, and we need to be willing to suffer and be different for the, for the sake of Jesus. And we need to come to the Lord's house every Sunday. Listen to His Word, not my Word. You're not coming to listen to Brother John get up here and hoot and holler. You're listening to what God says. And I trust if I've studied and God blesses me with His Spirit that what I'm telling you is what He would desire for you to know. Alright? Who comes up with the sermons for Sunday morning? I hope it's not me. I hope it's God leading me and guiding me and directing me to give you what you need to hear this morning. And apparently this is what you needed to hear this morning. So come to the Lord's house, praise His name, listen to the message, and then put it into practice in your life. It's my, it's my responsibility to preach these words because I want to see you spiritually healthy. 
I want to see you spiritually healthy. I want to see God glorified by your life. Let's be sure to exhort one another lest we be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Because once you become hard, the Word of God has no effect on your life. And once that happens, you will bring yourself under judgment. I don't want to see that. Nobody else wants to see that for your life. Trust these words will be a benefit to your life. You may not have liked what I had to say this morning. Some of what I had to say this morning may have stung, stung a little bit. But I, I hope it's for the good. I hope, it, I hope it encourages you and incites you to do that which is right in the name of the Lord. Trust the Lord to bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you give you peace.